Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, where my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. Hope you've had a good week. Well, the NFL season is upon us, so we thought we would devote this entire show to talking about the kickoff of the NFL season. Kind of a primer for you for the remainder of the season. Let you know about the business of the NFL. I'm joined, as always, by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing great. And, uh, you know, anytime you and me can just have a show together, that's like solid gold. So here we go. <laughs> that's pretty good. Sometimes it, it's we love our guests. We have great guests. Uh, we'll have more guests coming up next week. But, uh, yeah, it is good for us to just, uh, you know, kind of discuss the business of a league or a sport. And, uh, you know, the NFL is king. So we thought we would do that this week. Let's start at the beginning. So Thursday night football seems like a while ago. Yeah, it does. We record this on Tuesday, but a really good matchup. The Detroit Lions and the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of people thought, oh, Detroit's not ready for prime time. Well, guess what? They were. They won the game in Kansas City. They looked uh, like a team to be reckoned with. But on the business end of things, the ratings were huge. So Lions Chief uh, on NBC and Peacock, it was the most watched TV show, not sporting event, TV show since the Super Bowl, averaging nearly 27 million viewers. So a lot of people tuned in to see the start of the NFL season with the Lions and Chiefs. And again, uh, you know, the Lions don't have household names on their team. Jared Goff, probably the most household name because he played for the Rams before the Lions. But uh, that's a huge number, Greg. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And, you know, the hype for the NFL, the buildup is so big. Everybody's so excited and geeking out for the NFL to start. I love how the NFL puts the Super Bowl champ as the first game of the season. That's always a good hype because you've got the champ as the first game you get to see. So I think that's fun. Kansas City is always must-watch TV, even without Travis Kelsey. I mean, you got Mahomes, and just they're a fun team to watch. And yeah, Detroit showed up to play. I thought they were impressive. Goff looked good. The defense looked good. The O-line looked good. Uh, look out. Detroit could be a, a fun fun team to watch this year. Yeah, as a side note, Detroit has sold out their season tickets at Ford Field for the first time in many, many years. So Dan Campbell, the coach, and uh, the team, they're creating a lot of excitement in Detroit. So um, that first win in Kansas City is going to do nothing to dampen that excitement and enthusiasm for the Lions. A lot of people hopping on their bandwagon this year. Sunday Night Football, Giants, Cowboys. One of the most dominant defensive (laughs) performances that we've seen from an NFL team in a long time. I mean, you had a block field goal return for a touchdown. You had interceptions. You had fumble recoveries. I mean, basically anything that the defense could do to score, they did in that game. 40 to nothing. Daniel Jones was left in until the bitter end, which some people were like, why are you leaving your starting quarterback in when you're down 40 to nothing? (laughs) But credit to him for hanging in there. But uh, not the matchup that NBC wanted for their first Sunday night football game. You want competitive games. Everyone thought that would be a competitive game. The Giants went to the playoffs last year. They were supposed to be pretty good this year. They still may, 
But wow, that first game. I mean, to me, the two most dominant performances in week one of the NFL season, the Cowboys and the 49ers going into Pittsburgh. And a lot of people were on Pittsburgh's bandwagon as well. And the Niners were dominant. Your Niners, Greg, that you have in the Super Bowl. So that's looking like a pretty good pick after one week. Yeah, they looked uh, impressive. And, you know, back to the uh, Dallas game, I think I think they were up 14 nothing before Dak even took a snap. I mean, it was like this game is already out of hand and they haven't even played offense yet. So that was pretty impressive. But yeah, Niners, man, they looked really good. Purdy looked like he hadn't missed a beat. Uh, good to see him back throwing and healthy. Um, I think that's a tough, I mean, anytime you go into Pittsburgh and win, you know, substantially, that's a good win. That's a tough place to play. And uh, yeah, Niners look really good. And I agree with you. I think uh, Cowboys dominated. That defense looked really, really tough. Well, and the thing that people should recognize with the Niners is they're paying, and we'll get to this in a minute with uh, Nick Bosa and his record-setting contract, but they're paying Bosa, McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. They're paying so many players on their team tons of money because in NFL standards, Brock Purdy is poor. He's making $43,000 a game. That's nothing. <laughs> so he makes, uh, what, $2.5 million for the year. Remember, he was the last player selected in the 2022 draft. So when you can have your starting quarterback earning a minimum salary, you can pay everyone else. So you remember the Seahawks did this well with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was a second-round pick. Uh, he wasn't making that much money his first few years. He earned the starting quarterback job. And the Seahawks were able to pay everyone else, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And that worked out well for them. That was their window of competing for Super Bowls. This is probably the same with the Niners. Like, they're in this window right now. You've got Brock Purdy. He's a good quarterback. You're paying him minimum salary. You're paying your other stars huge money. They've got to win now because if Purdy continues to progress, once they're paying him 30 or $40 million a year, you're going to have to say goodbye to some of those other players that you're paying that much money to. So um, it's a real window of opportunity here for the Niners while Purdy is on this minimum contract. Let's back up for a minute, Griggs, and go through the TV deals just for this season. For the NFL, they did their TV uh, deals not so long ago. In total, just for this season, Greg, just for this season, the NFL has $12.3 billion worth of TV deals. How does that break down? ESPN Disney is paying the NFL $2.7 billion for Monday Night Football. The uh, CBS deal is worth $2.3 billion. Fox is paying the NFL $2.1 billion. NBC pays $2 billion for Sunday Night Football. New this year, YouTube and Google are paying $2 billion for the Sunday ticket. And then you've got Amazon paying $1.2 billion for Thursday Night Football. And they do have a Black Friday game. Griggs, it totals up to $12.3 billion. That's why the NFL is king. There's no other league on earth that generates that kind of media revenue from their partners. Most people would look at this and go, oh, wow, that's great for the duration of the entire deal over like 10 years. This is for one year, Griggs, $12.3 billion. So, um, you can see why the TV ratings are important to these partners and why they want, you know, the best matchups on Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night. And then, you know, CBS and Fox want those great primetime windows. Uh, Patriots Eagles was a great primetime window for CBS on. Uh, I think it was CBS. Maybe it was Fox on Sunday. And uh, that got a huge number. And that's what they want. They want the primetime matchups. Tom Brady's retirement ceremony, which was really cool. And his family was there and he's running onto the field. And, you know, the 
defending NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, how are the Patriots going to be? Bill Belichick is always a, a big draw and a name. And how are the Patriots going to be, especially with Tom Brady in attendance? But just huge numbers for the media rights deals, Greg. Yeah, and I don't know if you, I think you're a YouTube uh, TV subscriber like myself, and they had the uh, the Sunday ticket preview this week. So it was fun to watch to see how they kind of had it laid out. And uh, I watched uh, a little multi-view with four games at once. That's kind of fun. So I thought they did overall. It looked good. Um, I bounced around between games and everything looked good and, and seemed to work right. So hopefully they can run with it. But it was fun to see how they set it up. But yeah, the money is, is ridiculous. But it's NFL. I mean, you can put anybody on, any team, any two teams, and people are watching it. It's just, you can put it on at midnight and they're going to watch it. I mean, it's just, it doesn't matter who's playing and where they're playing or when they're playing. It's just dominant. I mean, we see the NFL now, you know, I mean, Thursday, Sunday night, Monday night, all day Sunday, and Saturday in the playoffs. I mean, it's just, it, it dominates the sporting world. And this is why they're paying the, the billions to get it on TV. Yeah, it really does uh, make a huge difference for these networks. I mean, like you said, you can put any two teams on any time of the day and it's going to draw big numbers. Um, I mean, 27 million for Thursday Night Football. Yeah. That, that's like we said, second only to the Super Bowl uh, in 2023 as far as total audience goes. All right, let's talk about Monday Night Football because there were a number of different storylines here, um, like we just said. You know, ESPN, Disney pays a ton for Monday Night Football. You have Joe Buck and Troy Aikman entering season 22 together. That's more than any other broadcasting duo has ever been with uh, calling NFL games. I would have guessed Pat Summerall and John Yeah, Madden, yeah. Right? Um, so this is really cool that these guys now hold the record. Um, you had Jimmy Vitaro and Roger Goodell there presenting them with, uh, you know, cool NFL footballs for the achievement. Um, they always call a great game. And Griggs, the Manning cast was also on. And I tend to watch the Manning cast. I flip back and forth. But, you know, Peyton and Eli were in midseason form <laughs> early on, teasing each other. Um, already the forehead joke. <laughs> I love when they had John McEnroe on. He's yes. married to uh, Patty Smythe, who's a singer. And they were talking about how they would drive to school singing The Warrior, sung by <laughs> Patty Smythe. And John McEnroe felt really good about that. He was going to share that with his wife of 29 years. Um, but they're just so funny. And their reactions, whether it was Aaron Rodgers going down or the punt return at the end of the game, their reactions are so raw and real. Um, and it's just like you're watching guys watch a game and, you know, obviously watching Super Bowl winning quarterbacks uh, describing the game. But I love their conversations with McEnroe and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And um, I just I think they've caught something real spectral there with that Manning cast. Others have tried to duplicate it, but no one has really topped the original yet. And meanwhile, by the way, Omaha Productions the media company that Peyton Manning founded is worth an estimated $400 million now. So Peyton Manning made $250 million during his career on field. If he sold Omaha Productions tomorrow, he makes more money than he did during his entire NFL career. So pretty good start to his media career um, and owning the company and, and, you know, doing these things with uh, ESPN. Well, for sure. And the production around that Manning cast has gotten so good, too. I love when they're literally talking about Josh Allen running and doing helicopters and hurtling. And then they've got highlights of both Eli and Peyton running. It's just hysterical. Peyton trying to make the corner and sliding too early and all this stuff. And they just start ripping on each other. Oh, it's so good. So I love the packages they put around their comments. And instantly they've got highlights talking about it. So it's fun. As a guy that produces stuff, I love seeing that. It's fun to watch. And like you said, they're real guys. When Aaron Rodgers went down or, you know, when something happens in the game, they're like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? Like, it's cool to see pros and Hall of Famers react the same way you and I would react watching the game. Yeah. So let's talk about Aaron Rodgers for a minute. That was stunning. Right. So a lot of people watched Hard Knocks. I think some people became Aaron Rodgers fans yeah. personally. Um, they, they liked him in Hard Knocks. Obviously, he played his entire career with the Green Bay Packers. This was his first start. Uh, with a team other than the Packers. 
He's been making the tour of New York, going to all the events, the U.S. Open and the ba- the baseball games and the basketball games and the hockey games. And, you know, New York was ready for him. Yeah. And he runs out onto the field on 9-11 with the American flag. And, you know, everyone gets chills. And the biggest concern for the Jets was their offensive line. Can they protect their prized asset in Aaron Rodgers? Well, we found out quickly on the first drive, no, they can't. And Rodgers is no longer mobile, and he's scrambling on that first drive, and he goes down, and people wonder, is it an ankle? Is it a foot? Or, most likely, did he tear his Achilles, and he's out for the year? That's what it looks like as we record this right now, that he's torn his Achilles. And if you start breaking down this deal, so Green Bay would get a first-round pick from the Jets if Aaron Rodgers played 65% of his snaps this year. If he's out for the year, that's off the table now. So Green Bay will get a second-round pick. So that has an impact on the Packers, obviously. But the biggest impact is on the Jets, right? Like, this is a team built to win now. They've got a great defense. They trade for Dalvin Cook. They've got some really nice skilled players, like Garrett Wilson, who made an incredible catch in the game. Um, they're not ready. You know, Zach Wilson's a nice quarterback. They drafted him high a few years ago, but he's probably not ready for prime time. And Aaron Rodgers was the guy who was the leader in the locker room, who set the tone. He's won a Super Bowl. You know, this was the year where the Jets were going to get it done. And to see it disintegrate so quickly, I mean, literally the first drive of the game, Griggs, your jaw is kind of on the ground. I mean, I thought Peyton Manning's reaction was kind of all of us, right? Like he just, he could not believe what he was watching. And it was over before it even started. Yeah, I think uh, watching the game too, I mean, they were trying to make it sound like it was a foot or ankle, but you watch that replay and I'm like, that doesn't look like an ankle. That looked like an Achilles or something else. And that's what I was thinking too. I'm like, oh, this is going to be more major than we, we think. But yeah, it's so sad. I mean, Jets fans, you see him over on the cart. Everybody's got their phones out like, what just happened? You know, it's like, this is our, this is our season. And here it goes. And four plays later, he's on the, on the cart. So it's sad. And uh, hopefully it's not an Achilles, but it doesn't look good. And, uh, you know, I, and I think jets are still going to be a decent team. I think Zach Wilson is a good quarterback. They've got a lot of skill players, but it's not Aaron Rodgers. I mean, obviously it's not Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see what they can do. Uh, exciting game. And that was a, a fun game outside of that. What a way to win a walk-off kick return by a, a, a no-name rookie that uh, no one's ever heard of. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, again, if you watch Hard Knocks, that no-name rookie um, was one of the last players kept on the team. Yeah. He's so fast, as you saw. And, you know, like he already paid dividends in that first game. I mean, he he literally won that game for them yeah. at the end. So um, that's a pretty good call by the Jets to keep that guy around. That's probably not the first and only time he's going to do something big like that. They have another player on defense, number three. His name escapes me. Um, he had an incentive this year. If he had three interceptions in the season, he gets a $250,000 bonus. Well, guess what? He got three interceptions in game one. So he got his $250,000 bonus for the season in game one. So that's always nice when you uh, meet those incentives in one game. <laughs> like, it's pretty rare that that happens, but uh, good for him. Jordan Whitehead, yeah, 250K in the first game. <laughs> he, yeah. had, he had three interceptions all last season and had three in the first game. That's pretty impressive. That's impressive. Yeah. And again, the Jets' defense, I mean, let's pump the brakes on comparing them to the 1985 Chicago Bears. That was... I love the Bears. I was a Bears fan, a Walter Payton fan, so yeah. I remember that defense well. That's an all-time defense. Yeah. The Jets were really good last night, but let's pump the brakes on comparing <laughs> him to the 1985 Chicago Bears. But I do think that if Zach Wilson can manage the offense and not make terrible mistakes like Josh Allen did last night, my guy in underdog fantasy, <laughs> um, then they could be good because that D is going to keep them in games, right? Like they're probably not going to get blown out because that D is going to keep them in game. So we'll see. But look, from the marketing to the ticket sales to the fact that the NFL has the Jets slotted into like five primetime games, what do you do now? 
because, you know, you've got uh, no Aaron Rodgers. People aren't as excited to see Zach Wilson. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see once Aaron Rodgers is declared out for the season, which most people expect to be the case, how does that change uh, the coverage of the Jets? You know, where the NFL slots them in with some of those primetime matchups. And obviously, you know, you're not going to give out ticket refunds or anything like that. But there were, uh, you know, online casinos that were refunding people money if they had Rogers tied up into a parlay or a bet on Rogers. So that was interesting because, you know, I don't know that I've seen that before. That's kind of part of the game. And, um, you know, as a result of him, him being hurt, you know, like I can give you an example with underdog fantasy. I played a pick em ticket and I had already hit two of my first three and I needed one more. And my one more was Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver for the Jets, who had a nice game, five receptions, 34 yards, and that amazing touchdown catch. But I played the over on his yardage and it was like 64 and a half yards. As soon as Aaron Rodgers got hurt, I was like, I'm screwed, <laughs> right? Like, Garrett Wilson is his favorite target. And Zach Wilson probably isn't going to throw the ball very much because he's being thrown into the game. So I lost my bet. I think if Aaron Rodgers had played, I'd probably win that bet. So um, that's just an example. But, you know, that's part of the risk of making any bet with sports is a player could get hurt or benched or, you know, something could happen that throws things off. Well, you see that too in the other leagues. I mean, NBA, you know, you have Lakers on primetime all the time, Warriors. Well, when Curry is out for half the season, you still have Warriors games on without Curry. I mean, it's kind of just, it's the live sport risk you take when doing TV matchups like this too, because injuries happen. You never know what's going to happen. So uh, you risk it. I think the Jets are still going to be a fun team to watch. I think their defense is funny. You're, you mentioned lots of uh, position players that are fun to watch. Dalvin Cook had a good game last night. So I think Jets are good. It's New York. It's already going to get a big market share just because it's New York. So um, they're they're going to be fun to watch. But yeah, we'll see what Zach can do. And hopefully he can uh, he can start to run that offense. We'll see. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. 5G is here. Is your stadium ready? From an immersive fan experience to efficient game day operations, 5G is transforming sports and entertainment. If you're ready to jumpstart your 5G transformation, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is one of the largest operators of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They provide stadiums and arenas with state-of-the-art 5G networks and support teams across the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, at NCAA. I'm constantly interacting with sports executives, and the reason they love working with Boingo is because Boingo manages 5G and Wi-Fi networks end-to-end, offloading very stretched IT teams. Whether your stadium is looking to support mobile ticketing, cashless payment, or connected operations, Boingo has you covered. But don't just take it from me. Their customers include world-class venues like Soldier Field, State Farm Arena, Petco Park, and University of Louisville. Boingo in 5G. Now that's what I call a win-win. For a limited time, Boingo has a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. They're offering a free 5G assessment for your stadium or arena. To get started, simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Speaking of companies that, uh, boy, this was a mistake. DraftKings. Did you see this? Crazy. They had a 9-11 never forget parlay featuring the Mets, the Yankees, and the Jets. Come on. Yeah. They apologized for this. But you're you're trying to profit off of a tragedy or you're you're marketing around a tragedy like this was really low. And I don't even know that their apology would be good enough for me if I was someone who lost someone on 9-11 um, and just, 
even as someone who did lose someone on 9-11, I was offended by yeah. DraftKings putting this together. So I'm not sure who in DraftKings thought that was a good idea, but it backfired wildly on them. They had to issue an apology and, you know, a lot of people didn't really take their apology sincerely. Um, so a big blunder for DraftKings around uh, 9-11 and the New York teams and, and Monday Night Football great. Yeah, there's just some things you don't touch. That's one of them. You know, 9-11 is definitely the most most modern day tragedy in our lifetime uh, right. in America. So it's just it, some things you just, you don't, you don't market around that. You don't try to make money off of that. I mean, it's pretty obvious, but apparently money is always trying to run the world. So here we go. And here's another blunder on something that shouldn't have been done. But yeah, that's one you just don't touch. You know, you, you respect that day and you you have your moments of silence and things like that and great national anthems and flyovers, great. But don't make money on uh, on something like that. Not not smart. Yeah. All right. The other big story that's been going on for like the last two weeks media-wise is Disney and Charter were in a dispute. And Charter has 15 million subscribers. So a lot of people couldn't watch Monday Night Football. They couldn't watch college football. Um, they were not very happy about the dispute. Well, those two entities, Disney and Charter, have agreed to a deal that ends the blackout of channels like ESPN, ABC, and others um, to those 15 million subscribers. I'm not going to break down the entire deal, but you know, both sides made some concessions. They came away happy. 15 million people get to watch Monday Night Football last night. But the longer this was going on, the more people were dropping Charter and also, you know, Disney's losing money because they're losing those eyeballs. But as I said last week, and I don't want to go into this again, I think the cable bundle is on borrowed time. And, you know, streaming and, and viewing content in other ways is going to eventually rule the day. You're going to be able to get things a la carte. Um, so I don't have a lot of, uh, patience for the cable companies arguing with the companies like Disney. Um, but, you know, we'll see how much longer this goes on because I don't think this model is going to go on. I mean, we've already seen the sports RSNs like Bally's Network, you know, basically declared bankruptcy. There's a lot going on there. But, uh, you know, the good news is for the consumers, they were able to watch Monday Night Football last night because a lot of people wanted to tune in to watch that. Yeah, I think the thing that hurts, like we said last week, the consumer, we're the ones that get hurt by that. I mean, do it behind the scenes, keep the channels flying. We don't care. If we're paying money for cable or whatever it is, we want to see the games, we want to see whatever we're watching. It shouldn't hurt the consumers, and sadly it does. But you're right, it's another knock for cable companies. It's another like, oh, here we go again. You're going to lose this channel because we can't make our, you know, whatever. It's like, come on, just figure it out. Go to streaming, you'll be fine. <laughs> right, exactly. All right. Continuing on week one in the NFL, uh, circling back on this, Tom Brady's retirement ceremony. I loved it. Um, we're just seeing like a more human side of Tom Brady. I, I, I really like it. Um, whether it's him shooting baskets with the son or going to an African safari with his daughter or, you know, standing on that stage at the retirement ceremony with his three kids, his two sons and his and his daughter. Um, it was really neat to see him run into the stadium and he's pumping his fist and he got the crowd going and you've got the six Super Bowl trophies in front of him. And then Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, announced that Tom Brady will go into the Patriots Hall of Fame on 6-12-24. So <laughs> June 12th of 24. So he's number 12. They won six titles and then they're going to do this next year. So that's pretty cool. I mean, if ever... There was a no-brainer, the GOAT. You, you know, usually there's a requirement for people to be able to get into the Patriots Hall of Fame. You have to be in the regular Hall of Fame, I think, or you have to be retired for a certain number of years. I mean, come on. Let's get rid of the requirements when it comes to the GOAT yeah. and put him right in. And, you know, you could just tell how excited everyone was to have him back there and wearing that number 12. And you know, I thought it was cool that he said, like, I'll always be a Patriot. Like, mm -hmm. he, he went to the Bucs. He had success. He won a Super Bowl. He proved he could do it with a different team and a different coach and a different organization. But when Tom Brady goes into the Hall of Fame, it's going to be wearing number 12 of the Patriots. And that's how people are going to remember his career. And I just thought, uh, you know, from ringing the bell to the ceremony on the field to him running in, pumping his fist, 
to, you know, his entire family, his parents, everyone was there. Um, it was really a cool way to do it. Patriots are a first class organization. And, you know, things didn't end great with Brady when he left for Tampa. And it's nice when cooler heads prevail. Everyone has a little bit of time and distance from a dispute like this. And you come back together and you realize, like, we did some great things together. You won six Super Bowls. Uh, this was a great partnership. And you can come back and just kind of take a bow and appreciate it. And there's no hard feelings. And, you know, that was the sense I got from that ceremony on Sunday. I agree. And look, it's it's a business. You know, it's his job. It's a, it's these are companies. So we all change jobs. We all move around. We all do this stuff. And same thing with football. You can't expect these guys to always stay with the same team. And I thought they handled it great. Uh, Brady looked like he was having the time of his life. I love him coming out and pumping everybody up. I mean, how do you not get behind him? And I think you're right. I think he's enjoying retirement. I think it's showing. He, he's enjoying being off the field too. He may not admit it, but I think he's having fun with the family and just being a, an ambassador for football and just being Tom Brady. So I think uh, it's fun to see. And yeah, put the jacket on him. He's obviously Hall of Famer. Let's not wait 25 years to vote him in. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> All right, other news around week one. The Washington Commanders, who were sold for $6 billion in the offseason to a group led by Josh Harris, um, they won their first game. So they hosted the Arizona Cardinals, who are not very good. They won the game. Magic Johnson was there. Kevin Durant was there. You know, you had a lot of people there. Michael Rubin was there. Um, Lindsey Vaughn was there. It was it was star-studded. It's like the coast is clear now that Dan Snyder is out. And Josh Harris and Magic Johnson and others are part of this ownership group. It's much more inclusive. People aren't embarrassed to support the commanders like they were before when they felt like they were enabling uh, Dan Snyder and his terrible behavior. But, uh, you know, that's a new era in D.C. People who are young forget, like, that's a great fan base in mm -hmm. D.C. When the Commanders are winning, when the Nationals are winning, when the Capitals are winning, when the Wizards are winning, which isn't very often. Um, <laughs> it's a great sports town. So there's no one that sits higher on that totem pole than the Commanders. So... Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if people continue to come back. Does the team win some games this year? But, you know, they've got a, a number of things they're trying to do, whether it's a new stadium or, you know, just refurbish the brand of the commanders, which has been so downtrodden in the last several years because of Dan Snyder. No one wanted to do business with him. So that was kind of like a big story for me on Sunday. You know, it's a, it's the dawn of a new era in Washington, D.C. No, I agree. I turned that game on. I'm like, I just felt, oh, I can watch the Commanders and not have that back of my mind like, oh, we got this bad owner here. So it was kind of like a breath of fresh air watching them play like, oh, this feels good. I can root for this team and I can get behind them. And they're a fun team. I agree. Great market. That has just always been an awesome brand. I've always loved the Washington team. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's fun to see them come in there and win. And uh, yeah, the new era begins. Let's let's go. All right, so in any other week, this would probably be headline number one. This would be the top story. Joe Burrow signed the most lucrative contract in the history of the NFL. Of all the players in all the years of the NFL, Joe Burrow signed the biggest contract. Here are the terms. Five-year contract worth $275 million, including more than $219 million guaranteed. So. Burrow is now under contract through the year 2029 at a total of seven years, $310 million. It really is like a, a baseball deal um, with that length of time. And um, Burrow did not have a good game one against the Browns. The Bengals, my Bengals that I picked to win it, got smoked. But, you know, as I said last week, let's give it some time. Burrow missed the preseason. He was injured. He didn't really have many reps. He looked out of sync. Um, and, you know, obviously he's going to see a lot of blitzes at the beginning because mm -hmm. he's kind of playing on a bad leg. But obviously the Bengals feel comfortable enough with his health and his track record thus far to give him this kind of a contract. I mean, we talked a few months back that you were going to see 
big contracts to these quarterbacks. So the most guaranteed money in NFL history, here's the list. Deshaun Watson is number one, $230 million. And I will say this, you know, he's had a lot of stuff surrounding him. He did not look good last year with the Browns. He looked good in game one. He looked like the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson in game one, and they've got Nick Chubb and they've got Amari Cooper and they've got a good defense led by Miles Garrett. The Browns look good in game one, too. It's only one game, but, uh, you know, for $230 million guaranteed, you better be pretty good. Uh, Burrow now sits second on that list, $219 million guaranteed. Justin Herbert who recently redid his deal, $218.7 million. Lamar Jackson, also a recent deal, 185 And Jalen Hurts, also a recent deal, 179 So the thing that those five contracts have in common is they've all been done in the last couple of years. And four of those five, outside of Deshaun Watson, were all done this summer, basically this offseason. We had been talking forever about how these quarterbacks were going to get paid, Burrow, Herbert, Lamar, Jalen, and they did. So again, if you're listening to this and you don't know how NFL contracts work, only the guaranteed money counts, right? Like the other money you could get if you play out your entire contract, and chances are those guys are all going to play out their entire contract. But the NFL is different than the NBA. The NBA, you could get a contract and it's guaranteed even if your leg falls off. <laughs> um, you know, this is only guaranteed if you play, right? So if they waive you or they part ways with you, um, you're only getting the guaranteed money. So those guarantees are very important. And as I said, those are the top five guarantees. So, all right. Burrow becomes the highest paid player in NFL history. And I like Burrow. And, you know, if you're Cincinnati, you have to pay him. He's your future. You've had great success with him so far. Like, it's a no-brainer that you had to pay him what they paid him. Um, the other huge contract is Nick Bosa with the Niners. Five years, $170 million contract extension. So now his contract is a six-year $188.9 million contract. So he wanted a new deal going into the last year of his current deal. The Niners were kind of hemming and hawing about that, and they paid him. And again, my point earlier in the show is you can do this because Brock Purdy is making pennies. He's making, you know, 40-some-odd thousand dollars a week so that the Niners can pay McCaffrey, Kittle, Debo Samuel, and now Bosa. These are all high, high-paid players, and you've got Brock Purdy on this rookie contract. When he comes up for renewal, then you know, you're going to have to pay him a lot more. The Niners let Jimmy Garoppolo go because they would have probably had to pay him north of $35 million a year to stay on that roster. By getting rid of him, now you're paying your quarterback pennies and you can pay everyone else. So, you know, Bosa is a difference maker, um, one of the best defensive players in the NFL. Um, but like some of the other teams that we've mentioned, like the Niners are in win-now mode. Like the Jets are in win-now mode. The Niners are in win-now mode. I would say the Bengals are in close to win-now mode. Like they're shelling out this money. You've got certain windows with your payroll and the Niners probably more so than anyone else are in that window right now where they've got to win while Brock Purdy's on this rookie contract. Well, and you just mentioned too, those top five biggest contracts are all quarterbacks. So, you know, quarterbacks are going to get paid. A starting quarterback yep. in the NFL is the most, it's the most coveted position. I mean, you have to have it in the NFL and the good ones are the reasons these teams win Super Bowls. We see it with Brady, Rodgers, all these people. Because the biggest uh, money needs to go to the quarterback because they run the show. So uh, you're right. Purdy is going to get paid. So <laughs> they've got to get these, uh, you know, the Super Bowl rings today, tomorrow and, and the day after or they're going to run out of time because they're going to have to start paying players. Well, if you look at what Brock Purdy's done so far, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, again, the last player drafted in the 2022 draft and, um, you know, he's making a minimal salary. He has six starts so far in the regular season. He's thrown two touchdowns or more in each of those six starts. That's pretty good. Yeah. 
Um, you know, obviously they lost in the NFC championship to the Eagles, but he got hurt early in that game. If he doesn't get hurt, is that game different? Probably. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't know that the Niners win the game, but it's certainly a more competitive game with Brock Purdy as the quarterback um, and, and at full strength. So um, he's a good player. Like you said, they're going to have to pay him at some point. Let's look at the highest average annual salary per NFL season. So 2014, not that long ago, right? The average salary was $22 million. Now this year, Griggs, you care to guess how much the average annual salary is for uh, NFL season? Yeah, let's go. It was 20. You said, okay, so that was 2014. I'm going to go 48. 55. Okay. 55. And, you know, that's a 150% increase over 10 years. Most of these numbers are inflated because of the quarterbacks that we just mentioned, mm -hmm. right? Signing these huge deals 10 years ago they were getting big deals but not like this and the guarantees weren't like this um so 150 percent increase over 10 years in highest average annual salary per nfl season really remarkable you know again the money's there right we outlined the media money for you at the beginning of the show 12.3 billion dollars the nfl is bringing in obviously all the clubs are very financially healthy so, you know, as the league makes more money, the players are going to make more money. And these salaries are going to just go up and up and up because the NFL is not going to decrease their media rights deals and the business of the NFL um, probably isn't going to go down anytime soon. So um, that's kind of our, our review of week one of the NFL season. I mean, we could sit here and dissect the players and the teams and the coaches and stuff. But, you know, this is sports business radio. So we just gave you a pretty good look at the business of the NFL. Some of these record setting contracts with uh, Joe Burrow and Nick Bosa. Um, and, you know, Griggs, we were trading text last night during the Monday night game. It really is interesting. You brought up a good point. Like Mahomes lost. Josh Allen lost. Burrow lost. Um, you know, there were some interesting performances in week one. I mean, I think all those quarterbacks are good and they're going to bounce back and you don't press the panic button. Um, but, you know, it, it was an interesting week one for sure. Yeah, I think, uh, like you mentioned, we were talking about some of the main name quarterbacks. I mean, Josh Allen looked rough last night, had a bunch of yeah. bad throws and was running weird and taking hits he shouldn't be taking. Like, it's like, okay, guys, wake up. Let's get back into the flow of how we play a game here. But uh, he was like full Brett Favre last night, <laughs> the best way I could. Like, he was like he was on the, the sandlot, just like throwing the ball around. There was no rhyme or reason to his offense when he felt like throwing it. He threw it right. when he just wanted to take off and run and throw a 6'4 frame out there. <laughs> he did that. And you're just like, dude, what are you doing? Like, that was the thing about him last year. He was not very disciplined. He yeah. took a step back last year. Um, I met with my uh, staff before the underdog fantasy draft, and we did come to the decision to draft Josh Allen as our quarterback. We thought we, he would have a bounce back year. After watching last night, I'm regretting <laughs> that decision. And I have to look at my roster, but I think my backup quarterback to Josh Allen, I'm pretty sure, is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I think so. so. <laughs> I'm screwed. I'm in big trouble week one with Griggs. You might get me this year. I, I, I might have to change my name to Brian with a Y. Yeah, there you go. That should be the better. That that will not be good if that <laughs> happens. But uh, yeah, Josh Allen, boy, he does not perform well against the Jets. We'll see what happens uh, next week. Well, you know, I think in my underdog, I have Mahomes, who clearly was missing Travis Kelsey. He didn't look the same either in that game. He was looked looked a little lost. But well, my... his receivers couldn't catch. No, him. that's true too. <laughs> that's kind of he important. He threw good balls. They could not catch. A ball like uh, a college receiver could have caught yeah. his passes. And um, that's not his fault, but it does show up in his stats. Yeah. So when you're playing fantasy, it hurts. it's not great. Well, my backup QB is Kyler Murray, so I'm not in much better place oh, than you are. <laughs> we won't even play this. Year. Right. 
Yeah. We're struggling. Wow. We're struggling. We are struggling. I guess that that uh, $15 million prize pool with Ooh. Underdog Fantasy is... Uh, by the way, um, if you want to play Underdog Fantasy, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I played a lot of Pick'em over the weekend um, where you can basically go over under on player stats. Um, you and I are playing Best Ball Mania 4, which is sold out. 100% of the slots are sold out. So $15 million in prize money. It's really cool. Uh, if you go to underdogfantasy.com, download the app, use the promo code SBR, Underdog Fantasy will give you $100. They'll match up to $100 on your first deposit. So it's a lot of fun. And uh, we love working with them. The NFL season's in full swing. Do some pick them. Do some rivals. Um, and then they've got some other games that are still available. So check that out. And don't forget to use the promo code SBR and they'll match up to $100 on your first deposit. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. Hi, Brian Berger here from Sports Business Radio. Underdog Fantasy is the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio and the fastest growing fantasy app. Underdog is a variety of daily and season-long fantasy games that you can play. Best Ball Mania has $15 million in pool prize money, and first place wins $3 million. You can play as many entries as you want, and once you draft your team, you sit back and enjoy. No lineup change is needed, and Underdog pulls your best performers and gives you those points. You never have to worry about leaving the wrong player on the bench again. Griggs and I will have our teams drafted for the upcoming NFL season, and this is a great way to enjoy all the upside of fantasy football without having to worry about maintaining your lineup each week. For daily fantasy, I love playing Pick'em and Rivals. With Pick'em, if I get five picks right, I can win 20 times my money. It's a fun way to do over-unders on player stats as well as pit players against each other. We've got a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. New users get up to $100 matched on their first deposit when they use the code SBR, like Sports Business Radio. SBR is the code to use. So download the app at underdogfantasy.com or in your app store and then enter the promo code SBR to get up to $100 to play with. Also, make sure to listen to my conversation on Sports Business Radio with Underdog Fantasy founder and co-CEO Jeremy Levine. He shares the unique story of how he founded Underdog Fantasy, and he has great insight into the future of daily fantasy and sports betting. Thanks to Underdog Fantasy for being the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Some other non-NFL sports stories that I wanted to get to. The U.S. Open. I like tennis. Uh, McEnroe was on with the Manning brothers. Um... It was a good event. First of all, they set an all-time attendance record in 2023. So uh, first Grand Slam event to welcome 950,000 spectators over three weeks. That's good. I also love that, you know, uh, after the pandemic, after, you know, all the things that have happened in the last few years, I love seeing, you know, Taylor Swift get record crowds and the U.S. Open has record crowds and you know, Boulder, Colorado, which we'll get to in a minute, is sold out for Deion Sanders. Like, I love seeing people coming back to feed in person at events. It's just great. I don't care if it's a sporting event or a concert or a farmer's market. Like, it's just really cool to see people out and about uh, enjoying things again. Um, Novak Djokovic wins the U.S. Open men's singles title, his 24th Grand Slam of his career. Um, he has more grand slams than Jimmy Connors, John McEnroe, and Andre Agassi combined. <laughs> that is really stunning because those were three huge names of my childhood and my tennis watching. He's also the first tennis player, male or female, to win more than $175 million on court for a career. So um, this guy continues to break records. Um, the current updated ATP career earnings standings for the men. Joker is at 175.2. Nadal, 134.6 million. Federer, 130.5 million. 
Andy Murray, 64.1 million, and then Pete Sampras, 43.2 million. Those are the top five career earning for the men. On the women's side, Coco Goff, 19 years old, wins her first Grand Slam. Um, and he becomes the third American teenager to win the U.S. Open singles title, joining Serena Williams, who did it in 1999, and Tracy Austin, who did it in 1979 and 1981. So um, history made on both sides of the bracket at the U.S. Open, record crowds, uh, pretty cool to watch. Coco's father going nuts when she won was probably my favorite yeah. part. He was just yeah. out of his mind, and that's so cool to see and so happy for her. I mean, she's uh, she's going to be dominant, and she's fun to watch. And the Joker is uh, just the uh, the goat. I mean, that guy is unbeatable. You know, in a finals match, you just can't beat him. I loved his tribute to mama mentality and Kobe with 24. That was yeah. pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, great U.S. Open, and, and the stars came out. I think one of my other favorite moments was watching Lil Wayne watching tennis, <laughs> and he's sitting up there like, just little yeah. hand claps. I'm like, this is so not Lil Wayne, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the stars were out. Boy, I mean, so many uh, movie stars, yeah. TV stars. How about Matthew McConaughey's weekend? I was like, okay, he's at the Texas-Alabama game, and then the next day he's at the U.S. Open. Not bad. Like, wow, okay. Let's let's be Matthew McConaughey. Private jet, and, baby. Uh, <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, you know he's got the PJ going. Um, all right. NBA news. This is interesting. And I, I actually like this. So the NBA's Board of Governors is set to vote tomorrow, Wednesday, on new rules that would see teams find well over a million dollars for certain load management offenses. This is according to Woj, Shams, and, and multiple uh, sources. But, uh, you know, the TV partners, they pay a lot of money, too. So... Um, the NBA is trying to reach $75 billion in media revenues with their new media rights deal. And this new rule would basically say you can't sit two stars in the same game at the same time. So let's say it's Saturday night and it's the Warriors and the Clippers. Well, the Warriors can't sit Steph and Clay, and the Clippers can't sit Kawhi and, and Paul George. You can only sit one. Um, it's going to change, especially how the Clippers load manage with those two that we just mentioned. And by the way, you know, we said this at the end of the last season. That clearly has not worked. The Clippers have not gotten out of the first round of the playoffs. That duo, um, they load manage them during the season. And then, you know, they're supposed to be fresh for the playoffs. They're not. They're hurt. It, it's just not working. But the main reason for this potential new rule is, like we said, the TV networks are paying a lot of money for the stars to play. Yep. They cannot stand when they have a primetime matchup and the stars are not playing because people aren't going to watch as much. So I think this is a good rule. We already saw in the new collective bargaining agreement that you have to play a certain number of games to qualify for the postseason awards. This is yet another step that is going to prevent teams from load managing, especially during these uh, primetime telecasts with the valued TV partners. So um, we'll see. You know, I was wondering, like, OK, the Board of Governors could pass this, but are they going to have a hard time getting this by the players union? That's going to be interesting. But, um, you know, I think it's good that Adam Silver and the Board of Governors are putting this to a vote. And then if it gets shot down by the players, they can at least say to the TV partners, look, we tried mm -hmm. to get this pushed through. We understand there's a problem with load management. And um, and even, you know, go beyond just the media partners. That's the the impetus for doing this. But, you know, we've seen where Giannis is coming to L.A. for his only matchup with the Lakers during the season, and he's load-managed. And if you're someone in L.A. and you're like, Giannis is the one player that I bought tickets for this year, and this is the only opportunity to see Giannis, well, you miss out on seeing Giannis. Unless you're going to get on a plane and, and you know go to another market and, and see him playing there or watch him on TV. But it's become a real problem in the NBA. 
And it's good that they're doing something to address this because I think it's gotten out of hand. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great uh, attempt at a new role because like you just mentioned, I was going to say the same thing. The fans get killed by this too. I mean, tickets are not cheap. A night going to an NBA game is very expensive to park, right. to eat, to get there, to just the tickets. And then, oh, my player's not here. And then half the other year, they load management and then they're hurt the other 20 games. And you, these guys end up playing 35 games in an 82 game season. And it's just, it's ridiculous when half of them, they don't need to sit out. So I think it's a great attempt. Hopefully it goes through. I think it's good for the fans. I think it's great for TV, obviously. Uh, you can build around these big names and uh, they need to play. I mean, it's it's their sport and they need to be out there playing. When you and I were watching games when we were kids, our players never miss games. I don't remember my guys I love watching. I don't remember right. Clyde Drexler ever missing a game. I just don't remember. it. It's just so different now where it's like, oh, who's playing the night? Oh, he's on the bench. He's there, but he's not playing. Okay, cool. So I think this is a good idea. Yeah, agreed. All right. A few more stories before we wrap. Um, college football, and as we discussed last week, there's no bigger story in college football right now than what's going on at the University of Colorado with Deion Sanders. They go to 2-0 and last week. They beat Nebraska. Um, they're now going to be hosting both the sets of ESPN and Fox Sports this Saturday when they play Colorado State. I mean, you know, here's a team that hadn't sold out a game in God knows how long. Um you know, Dion's doing things there that haven't been done in, in 25, 30 years. Um, they are the talk of college football. So they're going to be big this Saturday. Um, if they win that, they go to 3-0. and You expect they're going to beat Colorado State. And then Griggs, they're in Eugene to play your Oregon Ducks yep. the following weekend in week four of the college football season. You'd have to imagine that game day is going to Eugene for that matchup if the Ducks and the Buffs are still undefeated going into that game. Yeah, I think so. Uh, obviously, ESPN loves coming to Eugene. They've had some iconic game days there, and uh, that's going to be fun. I mean, Colorado is definitely must-watch football right now. Uh, so fun seeing the first home game. I mean, that crowd was hyped. They had the towels going. Talk about celebrities. Wu-Tang Clan's in the house. I mean, you got everybody showing up to see Dion. So I think uh, the team is fun. They've definitely are drinking the Kool-Aid, and they should be because it's working. Um, a dominating performance with Nebraska, and I think they're going to roll Colorado State. And uh, yeah, I think that'll be fun next week and in Eugene. Let's go. And then, you know, we talked about this last week, but the demise of the Pac-12. So this is the last year of the Pac-12. The teams are playing really well. Yeah. You've got, I think, five teams ranked in the top 25. Um, and that was overshadowed by... Basically, the Pac-12 up against Oregon State and Washington State in court yeah. this week. So Oregon State and Washington State have basically tried to get a restraining order filed on the commissioner of the Pac-12, George Klyakov, and also uh, the Pac-12. They don't want decisions being made on the future of the conference where the 10 schools are in involved in those decisions that is kind of ridiculous mm -hmm. like they're they're moving on to other conferences so unless it affects this year really they should have no say in how things go forward there is a, a pool of money that's also at stake here in oregon state and washington state are saying hey that's for the conference we're still in the conference that pool of money should be used to help us whether it's recruiting new members or you know, figuring out what we're going to do since we just lost 10 of the 12 teams in our conference. But, you know, we've covered a lot of things on this show in the last 20 years. I'm not sure I've seen uh, a courtroom brawl where basically a conference is fighting amongst itself. You've got, you know, Oregon State, and Washington State against the conference itself. So it just shows you the ever-changing world of college athletics and the landscape and how it's shifted. But uh, that's going to be a story to watch as well to see how that all unfolds. It's kind of in limbo right now. But, uh, you know, there's going to be movement in that story. The other super impressive victory of the week, and again, you know, if Colorado wasn't doing what they're doing, this might be number one on the list. But how about those Texas Longhorns? Yeah. And Coach Sark, who's been on this show, um, going into Alabama – and handing Alabama their first home loss against a non-conference opponent since 2007. Wow. That's 16 years. 
by my math. So, you know, they made it look pretty easy. They were pretty dominant most of that game. But you don't see Alabama manhandled like that at home hardly ever. You rarely see a Nick Saban team, you know, get beat like that. But uh, Texas looks like a team to be reckoned with. And Florida State, I mean, are we going to see some new blood in the college football playoff? That's going to be interesting. But, uh, you know, anytime you go into Alabama and do what Texas did, you put people on notice, and, and Texas looks pretty good. Sark's on the hot seat coming into this season, but so far uh, his seat is cold as ice now. Like, he, <laughs> he, that seat is not hot if he keeps going into places like Alabama and playing like they did last Saturday. Hey, I'd love some new blood. I mean, how about what if we had a Colorado, Texas, Florida State, and Georgia's obviously going to roll. But hey, there's three out of four that are new schools that have been in that top four. So uh, I think that'd be fun to see how the season winds up. But yeah, Sark looked good. Texas looked dominant. Uh, I always, I mean, hey, I like seeing Alabama lose, especially to a, you know, out of conference like that. That's kind of fun. In Tuscaloosa, that's kind of fun. So we'll see. Saban's an amazing, amazing coach at bouncing teams back. So I wouldn't be surprised if this might be the only loss for the season because they're so good at correcting and making things better moving forward when they do lose. So uh, we'll see what they can do. But yeah, hey, the college football world always changing. We say that all the time. But uh, back to the Pac-12, uh, Research Stadium, they unveiled the new addition. I think they spent 35 mil on it. So Oregon State's trying to get some of that money you were mentioning too because they got to get that stadium paid for. So I think they're in the fight for that too. My friend... It was $161 million for the renovation. I'm way off. So, yeah, this is a lot more than 35 35 million. That's the first payment. <laughs> yeah. They can spread it out over, I think, 30-plus years. There you go. But, uh, yeah, huge renovation. And like we've discussed, you know, that media money is not coming in now. So, you know, as I said a few weeks ago, it's like, uh, you know, you just remodeled your house. You put it on your credit card. And you think the money's coming in to pay off your credit card. And now the money's not coming in. You're like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I would have done that project if I knew the money wasn't coming in. I didn't really have the budget for it. So it is going to be interesting to see how they fund that. But the good news is they can fund it over uh, a pretty long period of time. All right. Um, A reminder. We announced this last week. The Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo is going to be taking place in Las Vegas on September 26th. We will be there for a featured conversation with Las Vegas Golden Knights president and COO, Kerry Bubbles, Um, just one of the best executives in sports. He was the president of the Cleveland Cavaliers for a long time when LeBron was there. Um, He's seen some things in his time. So uh, always excited when we get out and do our show in front of a studio audience see people in person, see people that we're interviewing face-to-face. Uh, Griggs will be there for a short amount of time, but we'll have fun while we're in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, just excited that Boingo is going to host us at their space in Las Vegas. And we appreciate uh, Boingo's partnership on this road show. For sure. Two weeks from today, we'll be uh, doing the show. I'm looking forward to it. It's always fun to hit the road. We have not done one in Vegas, so that's always fun. Vegas has no shortage of things to do and see and great food. So we, uh, you know how we do. We go to towns, we dominate food-wise. We gain 10 pounds each, but we have a good time. <laughs> That's right. Italy yeah. is going to be on the agenda for that road show. So if you're at Italy on the night of the 25th, look for Griggs and I. We'll, we'll be there chowing down on some of that great Italian food. Well, Greg, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. We covered a lot of different topics. Um, Next week on the show, my scheduled guest is NFL analyst, former GM, Super Bowl champion, Michael Lombardi. You see him everywhere. He's got his own podcast. He's got a new book out. We'll discuss that. But, uh, I mean, you want to talk about someone who knows the NFL at a deep level. It's Michael Lombardi. So uh, stay tuned for that show next week. And then, like you said, in two weeks, we'll be in Las Vegas with Kerry. So we've got some really good episodes of Sports Business Radio coming up. And we invite you to join us for those. Um, You know, we love it when you give us a five-star review and um, share this podcast with others. But rate and review us. Just hit the plus sign. You can follow our podcast. Every time there's a new one, it'll be automatically downloaded to your device so you can stay up to date. 
We've done a show every single week since April of 2004, Greg. So that's pretty good. We're coming up on 20 years. Um, you know, we have a great guest list. I loved the interview with Emmett Smith last week, the NFL's all-time rushing king. We've had Oscar De La Hoya on. We've had Tracy McGrady on. We've had Emma Lovewell from Peloton on. We've had uh, Garrett, Greg Maffei on from um, Liberty Media. So we've had some really great guests on recently. Just go into the archives and find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or podcast platforms anywhere. And our website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Griggs, uh, thanks for doing this. Always fun for us to chop it up a little bit and looking forward to uh, hitting the road with you soon down to the road show. Definitely. And one note on podcast, the average podcast only has 20 episodes or less. So we're undefeated since Seriously? 2004. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Wow. I mean, we have, I don't know how many that is over 5,000 probably. I mean, yeah, I, I don't However many weeks there are in the last 20 years. So what? 52 weeks in a year times, times 20, 20. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, so that's yeah, my little that, podcast. That's note. called consistency. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> We're like uh, Kareem when he was playing. Yeah. Remember, Paul Westhead came on and yep. he said, "When Kareem got on the court, you just booked it for, you know, twenty points, ten rebounds." Yeah. Um, sometimes it was better than that, but he's like, when you go to the opera, you know what you're going to get at the opera, who the, you know, lead is, and everything, and and that's what he got with Kareem, and. Um, you know, so we've tried to do consistency That's right. and insightful conversations with amazing guests. And even like this week, we've given you a lot of stats and numbers and figures that you can talk about with your friends or just better understand the sports uh, business of the NFL, college football, things like that. All right, Griggs, we'll see you uh, next week on Sports Business Radio. Let's do it. Looking forward to Lombardi. Let's go. Talent, hard work, focus, and determination got you here. Now take the right steps to prepare for your future and ensure that you stay at the top of your game, your business, your craft. Morgan Stanley Sports and Entertainment is a division of Morgan Stanley Wealth Management dedicated to serving the unique and sophisticated needs of elite and professional athletes, entertainers, executives, creators, and other top talent and professionals in the sports and entertainment industry. They deliver the education, strategies, and expertise you need to help advance your financial game plan at every stage of your career journey. They speak the language. They know your business. Morgan Stanley will work with you to achieve your goals. I've trusted Morgan Stanley with my personal wealth management for almost 20 years. Visit Morgan Stanley at morganstanley.com backslash GSE. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks to the Sports Business Radio team, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, and from our friends at CG Sports, CG Young and Nicole Wardle. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.